Recently, our team stumbled upon an opinion piece on the Courier Herald entitled, Will Western Sanctions Change the Global Financial System? It was a timely piece describing what's happening with the predominant international key currency, the U.S. dollar. The dollar's status as the world's preeminent currency has remained largely unchanged for decades, but with Western sanctions, rogue governments backed by innovations like blockchain, they seem to be all working to push the dollar off its reserve currency throne. This morning, we want to hear directly from the man behind the article itself, British economist, chairman of the NetWest Group, and the former director of the London School of Economics. We're joined on the line by Sir Howard Davis from the UK. Good morning, and thank you for joining us. Good morning. Very nice to be with you. It's a pleasure to meet you too. Uh, I'm going to jump right on in. The million dollar question at hand, is the world on a path to de-dollarization? You mentioned in your article, the death of the dollar has been predicted several times before, but did recent Western sanctions on Russia maybe accelerate this process? It could be. Uh, And I say that carefully because there are some things that would need to happen for the dollar's position to change significantly. First thing to say is there has been a change already in the proportion of reserves held in dollars. So it was 20 years ago, it was 70% of the world's reserves were held in dollars, the reserves held by central banks and others. Now it's 60%. So there's been a very gentle decline and the gap being made up a little bit by the euro and a little bit by the renminbi. So we've seen already uh, a change. And undoubtedly at the moment, because of sanctions, the Russians and the Chinese are trying to devise alternative payment systems, which will mean that they don't have to rely exclusively on SWIFT, which of course they've partially been uh, excluded from. So there are some signs of a change, and particularly in Asia, where the Chinese are trying to insist on the use of the renminbi for payment for Chinese exports. And you can see a growth of the renminbi being used for trade within China, not really with the US or not with Europe yet, but within the Asia Pacific uh, region. But I do think that if this is going to accelerate, it will need two things really. And principally, it would need the Chinese to make the renminbi fully convertible. Because at the moment, it is still not a fully convertible currency. And that limits its potential uh, as a global reserve currency. Hmm. Uh, hypothetically speaking, perhaps, because this may be maybe long time down the road, if countries end up trading with their own currencies, like China and Russia have been increasingly doing so, what would this mean for global trade in the future? Uh, logistically, how would international trade as we know it survive if more countries just began to prefer to trade with their own currencies? Well, I think international trade uh, could survive. I think what is more problematic is the international uh, financial flows, because financial flows are considerably larger than trade flows. There is a lot more movement across foreign exchanges um, than there is actually physical goods uh, movement. Um, And it's in the financial area which uh, where the dollar is still so dominant. So only about 40% of world trade is denominated in dollars at the moment. Now, that's actually four times as much as the US share of world trade. But still, it's only 40%. More than half of world trade is denominated in other 
currencies, largely the euro and the yen and increasingly the renminbi. But when you come to financial reserves, that's where the dollar is much more dominant. So 60% of financial reserves as opposed to 40% of trade. And that would make more of a difference. Then I think we would see a different kind of global financial system. But I think that's where you'd see the big change rather than actually in payments for simple payments for goods, which is a very straightforward uh, transaction. Right, right. So more, more, perhaps the change in dynamics will come from the financial reserves and who holds maybe more of it or the bigger pie. Yes, I think that's right. You can see it's still modest so far, but people choosing to hold some of their reserves uh, mm -hmm. in the renminbi, um, which is partly because you know they know that they are going to be pushed to trade in renminbi. So it makes sense from a hedging point of view to have some of your reserves in, in renminbi. So you can see that developing, particularly in Asian countries at the moment. Uh, Sir Howard Davis, South Korea exported a total of $531 billion worth in the year 2020 alone, making us apparently the fifth exporter in the world. What could de-dollarization mean for export-oriented countries like South Korea? Well, uh, you've got to look, of course, at the composition of your exports. And um, I guess uh, exports to the US uh, or to Europe will almost certainly not be affected. I guess you'll continue to deal with those in, uh, in euro and in dollars. But I think you will face more pressure from uh, China to denominate your uh, exports to China and your imports from China in renminbi. And that will be in one way, you can say that's quite straightforward, but of course it does expose you to a different kind of currency risk. And probably the central bank will need to think about distributing its resources and its reserves in a slightly different way to ensure that it doesn't get exposed to the risk of a significant devaluation or, or revaluation of the renminbi, which would then affect the competitiveness of Korean exports. So I think you're probably going to have to diversify your holdings to some extent to reflect the way the Chinese uh, want to deal with you. And if they insist on you paying in renminbi, I guess... You know, I mean, Korea is a big country, but uh, China is a bigger one. And I suspect that you would face a lot of pressure if they insist on you invoicing in renminbi. I suspect that's what you'll have to do. South Korea has always been in a tricky position to hold a delicate balance between trade with the U.S., trade with Europe and trade with China, especially with growing tensions with U.S. and China. However, yeah. it seems that they'll continue uh, in this spectrum as well. Uh, from what I understand, more countries are also moving to cryptocurrency amid ways to rely less on the U.S. dollar. Is this a phenomenon we'll continue to see? Uh, how important do you see cryptocurrency as the future of currencies? Personally, uh, cryptocurrencies, I don't see a very significant future for them. I mean, you say that some countries are using them. That's true. The main countries, as I can see, using them are El Salvador and the Central African Republic. I don't know what proportion of Korea's exports go to El Salvador and the Central African Republic, but I would guess quite small. Um, and I don't think that cryptocurrencies, if you mean things like Bitcoin or Ethereum, are appropriate for reserves or indeed for the denomination of uh, exports. They're extraordinarily volatile. Bitcoin's fallen by 50% in the last three months, I think. And so why would you 
wants to denominate your exports in a currency whose value is so, so uncertain. So frankly, I don't think the cryptocurrency threat is that serious. I do think, however, that the underlying technology of cryptocurrency is the blockchain technology is potentially quite promising for trade finance. And indeed, some banks are using it already for some trade finance uh, transactions. The, the, the existence of a distributed ledger um, actually is quite helpful for the certainty of some big trade transactions. But I think that the distributed ledger technology can be distinguished from the actual cryptocurrencies. And I don't see them at this point as a significant threat. Maybe we're bringing things back to the beginning of the conversation, but what do you see as the longer term consequences of de-dollarization to the global financial system? And how do you suppose we better prepare or maybe position ourselves? Well, um, the financial system has been dollar-based for a very long time. And indeed, um, the last time there was a big transition, it was in fact from the British pound to the dollar. Uh, in the late 19th century and the early 20th century. And it is natural, I think, that the dominant gl uh, global trader uh, has an advantage of uh, being able to trade in its own, in its own currency. And we in the, uh, in the UK benefited from that through most of the 19th century. Uh, we were the dominant economic power and the pound was the, was the main source of, um, of certainty and the main location of people's reserves. Um, and it's natural that there was that transition. Now, we're now in an unusual position where China's economy is beginning to rival that of the US. But still, China is not offering a fully convertible global currency. The last transition from the pound to the dollar, you know, the dollar was offering exactly what the pound could offer, uh, a store of value, freely traded, freely exchanged. That's not the uh, what. That's not the Chinese offer. So the Chinese have got a choice. If they were to offer a fully convertible renminbi <coughs> with easy access to investments in renminbi by Korean companies or the Korean Central Bank or whatever, which they don't at the moment, if they did that, then I think you would see quite a significant further rebalancing and we probably would end up with a bipolar financial system with the renminbi and the dollar sort of rivaling each other mm -hmm. now at the moment the chinese have a decision to make as to whether they want to do that uh, or not um, and uh, that's a decision i don't think that they have yet been prepared to make they've allowed an offshore renminbi market to develop to some degree in hong kong but China is still not fully open to foreign investment. That's still not the case. Uh, so I think you can't look back at the 19th century and the 20th century and say, well, how's this change going to occur? Because there isn't the same choice for people to make yet. But it's this transition that you talk about is pretty natural, right? I mean, even prior to the British pound holding that much power, every 80 to 100 years, from what I understand, that, that currency that was mostly traded went from one currency of a superpower to another. But perhaps something yeah. similar won't mimic itself in, uh, in the 21st century. Well, I think that, the, as I say, the big question is, do you want an, a, an open financial trading system uh, and, 
or not. And at the moment, I think the Chinese haven't decided if they want to rival the US with an open system or they want to create their own semi-closed system where the people who have a dominant economic relationship with China then have to enter, if you like, the, the, the yuan sphere, <laughs> if I might call it that. And there has to be a yuanization um, of their, uh, their currency. I suspect if that's the choice that Korea will make, it will probably say, OK, well, we'll have yuanization of part of what we do, but we'll carry on using the dollar uh, for our, most of our trade. And indeed, we'll carry on using it for most of our investments because it's freely convertible. And we will only use the renminbi for our business with China or with other countries which offer the renminbi. Now, there's one important point here, however which is that if you look at the utilisation of the renminbi, you can see that its utilisation is much, much bigger where there are swap lines in place between the Chinese central bank and the central bank of Korea or, or wherever. The, the proportion then of trade done in the renminbi is much greater, I mean, possibly four or five times greater, than where there isn't a swap line between the central banks so that they can swap currencies between them. So that's something to watch out for, uh, the way in which China is developing its swap lines with other countries in the region. That's happening quite quickly. And where it happens, then the proportion of trade denominated in renminbi goes up quite sharply. Thank you very much, Sir Howard Davis, for such an insightful conversation. It was a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.